Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hi, I'm Gail. And I'm Catherine. We are the active voice of Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and we're delighted to welcome you to today's episode. Each week, we showcase vital women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who continue to shatter the myths that we become invisible as we age. The 30-minute conversation with our guest focuses on several themes that we've agreed upon in advance. It's with great pleasure that we welcome Ginger Littleton age 72, of Panama City, Florida, to our show. While Catherine and I only met Ginger for the first time this morning, Ginger's daughter, Amy, is a longtime colleague of mine and co-leads the Kemper-Lesnick Agency. Amy shared an article on Facebook about Ginger, and the minute I saw it, I knew you would want to hear her story. Amy was gracious enough to connect us. Raised in the Panama Canal Zone, Ginger first came to the States in college, after which she taught English for 35 years. She serves as director of the STEM Institute at Florida State University, Panama City, and works to connect schools, teachers, and resources. She also was a member of the Bay County School Board in Florida. We look forward to discussing with you, Ginger, the subject of the article Amy posted and more importantly, about your long tenure in education and focus on STEM advocacy. Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Let's start our conversation by hearing about the moment you became famous during a school board meeting in 2010. Well, good morning, everyone, and thank you very much for having me, and I appreciate that lovely introduction. Um, My moment um, of fame came in 2010 at a normal school board meeting. You have to know that Panama City, Florida is a smallish town on the coast in the Panhandle. Um, One of our biggest uh, draws would be tourism. A lot of people go to Panama City Beach, the world's most beautiful beaches, I might add. Uh, And Panama City is a generally very quiet place. So school board meetings are not the most exciting thing in town. (laughs) Um, And for many of them, most people stay awake the whole time, but that is not guaranteed. (laughs) However, on this particular day, we had a full house, which at this point might be maybe three or 400 people in the room. It was packed full because we were doing some presentations and proclamations and the normal rah-rah that you would do to recognize the students and the teachers and the fa- the other members of the staff. Oh. So we are in a full room and everything's going very well. And suddenly this strange man walked to the podium, which was unusual because we were not at a time when people came to the podium. The board is relatively structured. And so it was kind of interesting to see this fellow saunter up to the podium. He complained about a few things, and then he turned around, pulled some paint out of his jacket, and painted a circle on the wall with a red V in the middle. 
which mm. I later found out was V for Vendetta. Have y'all ever seen the movie V for Vendetta? No, I haven't. Okay, no. I had not either, uh, but it was very meaningful apparently to him. My first thought when he did that was, we just painted that wall and facilities is not going to be happy about this. <laughs> um, but he, he then turned sort of back to the board and he pulled a gun out of his other pocket. Was uh, he known to any of you? Not at the moment. He was not. We were absolutely, it was one of those moments that you would say was surreal. It's like, is this really happening? And it was. Um, and this was December of 2010. So this was before, unfortunately, this kind of activity has become, we've almost become inured to it because mm -hmm. it happens often. And we've had all of these horrible, horrible things happen. But we were not at all tuned into anything like that at this point. Uh, the fellow was very, very kind because he told all of the people in the audience to leave. And they did very quickly. We have some smart people in Panama City. Mm. Um, so they left very quickly. One of the reporters left as well, but she left her camera on. So this was all recorded in living color. Wow. Um, and at that point, um, he complained a bit about his wife having lost her job and he had some other issues with taxes and so forth. Um, and then he addressed the board specifically as people had left and let the two women on the board, which would be me and the two ladies that were assisting the superintendent and the school board uh, told us to leave. So we all dutifully got up and I grabbed my purse, which we women do um, and headed out the door if you understand kind of the makeup of the room, it's slightly raked, so the board sits slightly lower than some of the chairs, and there's an exit door to the left, a uh, little hallway. So we went to the first exit, which was that one down the little hallway. And as I started to leave, I realized that this fellow was not joking, that he had a gun and he intended to use it. So I turned back around to look down the hallway at my fellow board members, and I'm looking at five older men, um, some a little thick around the middle, as many of us are wont to get as we get older. And I realize they are absolutely helpless. This fellow by this time had said a few things and he had wandered up to where I had been sitting on the left side and stood there looking at my fellow board members and there was absolutely nothing between the board members and this man with his gun, who at this point, it was very clear he was planning on using that. So as I started to exit, it, the decisions, you know, we as women make decisions all the time. This one was one of those, what do I do? If I leave, they're going to die. There's no question. Um, could I live with myself if I did that? And if I stay, what can I do? So in that split second, it was, well, I'm staying and I'm not sure what I can do, but we're going to give it the old college try. And um, there was a, um, a fire extinguisher there, but I knew if I tried to get to that, I would make noise because he didn't know I was there. He thought I had left. So I got my trusty purse out. Thank goodness I didn't leave it because it had my makeup in it for crying out loud. <laughs> Spoken like a true woman. <laughs> of course, we have our priorities. I left my expensive coat, but I got my makeup. I actually considered what would be the options. And my only option was to sneak up behind him because I did have the element of surprise. 
and to whack him as hard as I could with my purse and then just see what would happen. Um, so he, my guys, you know, the biggest thing they had that would protect them might have been a belt buckle or something. So I proceeded to sneak up very stealthily um, and drew back and whacked this guy upside the head, as we say in the South, um, with my faux alligator bag. Um, and I think I just made him mad, actually. Yes. But the whole idea here was I knew that at the minute some of those people left, they had already called 911, and I knew there would be people on the way quickly. So all I could do was buy some time, or if I whacked him hard enough, maybe I would knock him out, which that was kind of stupid on my part, but you know, I tried. <laughs> How big was your purse? <laughs> Say again? How big was your purse? Not that big. It was a Brahmin handbag, um, probably a normal handbag size, and I just had normal stuff in it. It wasn't even extra heavy. You know what we carry, our makeup and some of our... Um, our wallets and a few things like that, but it wasn't one that I could have had like some heavy running shoes or anything in. So I whacked him. Um, he swung around and hit me with the bat with his the back of his hand, um, and I fell to the ground. And at that point, I'm looking at his knees, thinking, you know what? I do not have a plan B here. <laughs> um, luckily for me, he um, told me to get out of there. And at that point, I'm like, okie dokie, maybe that is the, the, a good idea. <laughs> so I exited the premises, but it was just enough time for our school board sheriff. We have our own police department, basically. And he had come to the building, was not supposed to be there, was on leave, but came back to check on something right at the time this was going on. He went to his car, he got his equipment on, he brought his stuff, and um, in the interim, this guy had started to shoot the board members. He had come around to the front. The only thing that I guess I irritated him enough that he didn't go ahead and follow through with shooting them at that time, so he went to the front of the podium, so he's now between him and the guys, there is um, our desks where we sit, and even though it was just wood, it was some protection. So he had a few more things to say. Some of the board members and the superintendent tried to engage him in conversation, again, trying to um, you know, just kill as much time. That was a poor choice of words. But anyway, um, so until we could get some help in there, uh, he actually started shooting. The board members hit the floor. And right about that time, our sheriff came into the, built, into the room and engaged him in a firefight. Um, as it turns out, this fellow had had enough and he ended up, um, actually committing suicide there in the boardroom. Um, so it was all pretty traumatic, but, um, in light of what has happened since then, everybody came out except for the shooter. Everybody came out fine. We all were a bit damaged, I think for a while. But um, for every one of us, life went on as it had been, and we were very, very fortunate. That is some story. Wow. It's, it's, um, it's, it's really a nightmare. The fact that you had such, so much gumption to turn around and do that says so much about you. You have a very strong value system that would allow you to think of others first before yourself 
and to go back into that room and, and attack him the way you did. When I first read the story, I thought that on your way out, as you passed him, you swung your purse at him. But when I hear you say now that you were already out of the room and could have exited and came back as you did, you are one tough lady, Ginger. Well, thank you. Um, luckily, it worked out well. Certainly, it could have worked out just as, as badly as it worked out well. But I think my decision was almost a selfish decision because I well remember thinking, if I leave and they die, will I be able to live with myself? And the answer was unequivocally, no way. Sure. So I had to do what I had to do. And so much of us do those things. When you, um, I was speaking to some veterans a while back and they, they had stories the same way. You know, we, it wasn't heroism. It was what we had to do. Yes. Um, and so that was kind of an opportunity that presented itself and I had to react in whatever way was going to work for me. And that's sort of how that was. But it was interesting because it was all filmed. The television camera was still running. So within, I, I want to tell you, probably within 30 minutes, there was media. And within a few hours, we had every satellite truck and reporter and all that. And for Panama City, it was, it was quite, quite a deal. It was a big deal. <laughs> a big deal, yes, definitely. So that was in 2010. Correct. And then how much longer did you stay on the board? I just left the board um, December of 2019. So at this moment in time, as we are speaking, I am a newly released retired board member. That's a long tenure on a board. It, it is. As you all know, boards can be more fun than you can stand. <laughs> but, but for this one, um, because of what happened then, I think I gained some credibility, some name recognition, something. Because certainly after that, um, if I made a phone call, somebody answered, if you know what I mean. Yes. And so, and I have become the purse lady. So even if I cure cancer, I will still be the first lady. <laughs> and you stood up a little taller. <laughs> of course, of yeah. course. Yeah. But it, it's a nice um, intro. And if someone says, oh, you're the purse lady, we're immediately best friends. So uh, it, it makes for some good conversation. And so all that time, were you uh, teaching English? No. That time, I actually... Um, before I got on the board, I was an assistant principal at a charter school. Oh. Um, after the board, I went to work for Florida State University and through various crooks and crannies, I ended up being the director of the STEM Institute here at FSU Panama City. Yes, that's a position that you currently hold. Is that right? I, yes, ma'am, I do. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me that that position probably brings some certain challenges with it as well. Um, you're working with connecting schools and teachers and resources. And um, what is that? Can you tell us a bit about that work? It's absolutely a great melding of school board and college academia and needs within the community, within the country. Um, I'm an English teacher, which, of course, as you know, 
English teachers are not normally science, technology, engineering, and math gurus. Mm -hmm. um, as you know from our getting connected, I also am not a science, technology, engineering, or math guru. <laughs> However, um, I can push a button and I can make a plan. And I think for all of us, as we look at our aging, one of the actually shining stars of our being allowed to get older is that we can make those connections. Um, I used to work with a teacher who said she was old as gully dirt. <laughs> and apparently gully dirt is really, really old. <laughs> but um, I, I know people after all these years of being in the area in the various places that I've been and worked and whatever. So when one comes to me and says, you know what, I think that we need some to do some work in um, maybe in benthic organisms. As an English teacher, I very quickly looked up what benthic was. Thank you. <laughs> uh -uh, and found out that those are organisms that live on the bottom of the ocean. And so I can put together people that know about benthic organisms and we can do some teaching, whether it's a workshop or a video or just come on down and let's chat about it. I can train teachers. I can train students. So for me, it's just, it's a dream job. Absolutely. Do you have a particular interest in um, science itself or, or, you know, what makes you feel like this fits you so well? Well, I've always loved science, but as I've heard some of your other uh, guests say, when I came up, women were not very um, open to other opportunities. In fact, I get together with five of my good friends from high school and we all graduated a really, really long time ago. Um, and we all were either teachers or secretaries um, or nurses. Mm -hmm. I mean, those were the options for us. And I was raised in Panama, so you weren't going to be staying there more than likely. Um, and so be, being a teacher was the option that I chose based on what I thought at the time were the options that we had. Um, and I've always loved it, but I've always loved science as well. And I've always enjoyed, even in teaching English, kids have to do stuff. So one of my, my um, mantras at, over these years is that all kids can fly, some just need a longer runway. And, <laughs> I love that. And my job is to provide the runway. So it, it works out very well. I have to write that down. All kids can fly. They, say it again. Some, Some just, just need a longer runway. Yeah. Wow. That is so true. One of the things that we talked about or I, I read about concerning you is that you, something about the 2019 Nuclear Medicine and Science Summer Camp. Mm -hmm. tell, tell us a little bit about that. Well, one way that I work, um, and I have some really wonderful people who support that work across the region, um, is to see what are, what are the needs that we have. And it became very um, painfully obvious that we were not producing enough kids taking physics um, who would want to go into a STEM career. Mm -hmm. And so I can push science, technology, engineering, and math, but if you have gone through high school and only taken the low-hanging fruit, you sort of lead yourself into a career choice that you probably could have figured out something else that would be more of a STEM career. 
Mm -hmm. So you'd start kind of, okay, what are the barriers for getting kids into STEM careers and allowing them to be successful and, you know, financially stable and all of those things that you want in your youngsters. So moving them into that, that realm of physics. At one point we have had a high school that only had 24 students in the whole high school taking physics. Out of how many students? Uh, out of about 1,500 Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a problem right here in River City. And <laughs> so um, one of the ways to do that was to hook them. And we knew, uh, we ha I have a very good friend, professor in Tallahassee, FSU in Tallahassee, Dr. Paul Cottle, who had some, he is a nuclear physicist. And so we first started on the physics part, figuring out what to do. And then even if you don't have very many physicists, then you have even fewer nuclear physicists. And so he got some backing um, and we decided to do a nuclear science camp. And this will be the third year that we've done it. Um, we have just about 25 kids that come. It's very specialized. Um, I'm sitting in my office now with five Geiger counters. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just getting kids. So much of what kids don't do is what they don't know to do. Of those 25, how many are girls? Probably four, five, yeah, that is very true. That is my next um, issue that we have been working on. And so also, I will put this in, we tend to get children that come from certain homes and families. Um, I don't think I'm, it's a secret for anybody. If I want um, to fill up a science camp, all I need to do is go to the physicist kids Mm -hmm. the engineers kids and we got it going what we've got to do and, and that's one of my uh, responsibilities is to move that out because the youngsters all have amazing potential and it's our job as adults to make sure that they can realize that potential mm -hmm. uh, what per, what percentage would you say in the schools there are our girls oh i imagine we're you know 40 almost 50 percent probably mm -hmm. yeah. if you do something like that there's the a normal, i mean we're the normal demographic right there's a movement an organization called young entrepreneurs academy which mm -hmm. is for middle schoolers and high school girls who are interested in any aspect of stem steam really including the arts and they it provides a a uh, curriculum for them to be entrepreneurial to create a business uh -huh. and it might be something that you'd be interested in taking a look at i'd be happy to send you the link i would love it the beauty of what i do and why it is so much fun is you're sitting here giving me that connection and i'm sitting here thinking we have um, a program at fsu called entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. um, I can, in a heartbeat, find a place, find a person, find a time, get the kids, work on the curriculum, and suddenly we have an opportunity for the youngsters in the area. That's what, that's what makes this so much fun. Yes. So, Gail, I wrote down Young Entrepreneurs Academy, and I will be waiting for that information. <laughs> yeah, great. So it sounds like you have tremendous enthusiasm for, for what you're doing. And I'm just wondering, do you think about your longer term future and how long you plan to work and what the future might hold? Well, I've 
tried to be 39 for about the past 45 years, <laughs> and it just doesn't seem to be working out for me very well. I, I don't understand it, but it, somehow or other, things are changing. Mm-hmm. So I suppose as long as I do this, this is not work for me. This is just plain fun. You know, mm-hmm. if I had a blast playing golf all day, I'd play golf all day. But that's mm-hmm. not how I want to spend my time. Once in a while, whack a ball. <laughs> but as long as this is fun, then this is what I want to do. Now, when it gets in the way of my enjoying my family and my grandchildren, then it has to move aside, not go away, but move aside. Mm-hmm. And so how are you thinking about the future decades? Uh, staying there in Panama City, Florida? Um, what kinds of things are you thinking about? You're going to continue to do this for as long as you can? Yeah, but, but at some point, like many of us who live in the lovely warm South, um, and those of you who live in Chicago, uh, I could finally, I could see myself spending winters here and summers there. Mm-hmm. And I have grandchildren in that area, so that would be just fine. Um, I, um, as you all belong to plenty of things, I as well. And so I do say right now, I am being more selective. And you know that we, when we were younger, we, I don't know about y'all, but I was never that selective. If you asked me to do it, I'd say, okay. Oh yes. I am becoming more selective in my old age. Well, that's, that's great. So this has really been wonderful. And I love the work that you're doing. Do you have any gingerisms that you'd like to pass on to our listeners to, to help them see why Staying active is just so important. Well, this may be a stretch, but I've raised my children with one adage and now my grandchildren, and that is remember who you are and whom you represent. Mm -hmm. When I was 20, I represented one thing. Now that I am 72, I represent, oh, so much more, so Mm -hmm. much more. And lucky for all of the younger folks, if I play my cards right, they will be the beneficiaries of what I represent. Yes. Yes. That's beautiful. And on that note, I think we'll end. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being on Women Over 70. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ginger. Listeners, we want to hear from you. Please share your thoughts on Facebook at Women Over 70. Ask questions, add to the conversation, tell us what topics you'd like to hear more about, and become an active participant in our community. Our goal is to create a conversation across the generations. You can access our weekly Wednesday podcasts at womenover70.com. And if you know a vital woman over 70 who would be a great guest, please recommend her to us on our website. Thanks to the School of Continuing and Professional Studies at DePaul University for use of their recording space. And see you next Wednesday on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myth that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com.